I'm the kind of man wouldn't harm a mouse But if I catch somebody breaking in my house I got a 12-gauge shotgun waiting on the other side So don't go pushing me against my will I don't want to have to fight you for the darn show will If you don't want trouble then you better just pass me on I'm concerned there ain't no excuse For the raping and the killing and the child abuse I got a way to put an end to all that Howdy everybody, Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 79 of Justified Pursuit It is great to be here with you today And it is great to see my co-host Smiling Face The good counselor Chisholm Cook Did you have a, a good Memorial Day? Yeah, I had a great Memorial Day. Um, the 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 week uh, post holiday week's not off to a great start, but uh, yeah, but the weekend was good. Took uh, older two to church camp Sunday afternoon, uh, and then uh, Monday morning took the our, our younger two to the Blanco River uh, to the Blanco State Park. Hung out there for five or six hours, paddled them around on. With the new paddleboard, Ashley got her maiden voyage on it. Uh, it was it was pretty good. You, yeah. Um, I played golf with a with a guy who's about to join us on the show. Although, and I told him at the time, I was like, "Just want you to know, I value our friendship." Because a six eighteen a.m. tea time does not sound like fun to me. That sounds like work. Uh, I get up to go hunting at that time. Like I think my alarm went off at five a.m. To go play golf, I was like, you know, golf's supposed to be fun. And uh, and then I went around for 18 holes and basically did a bunch of gardening, hacking up the course. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. And then came home. My wife let me pretend like I was going to get to take a nap, but there was so much going on at home. Like, just it was impossible to fall asleep. Uh, then we went to – oh, here's something cool we did. So – Oh, also though, when I, when Mickey picked me up, we went to the gas station and the attendant told him happy Memorial day, which she kind of thought was odd. Like, is it really a happy day? I don't know. Maybe That's a tough saying. one, man. I've, mm-hmm. uh, I've, st- I, I struggle with what to say, yeah. but uh, I definitely have stopped saying happy, but you can't really like get too upset with somebody who, right. Uh, who does, you know, it's the way we say it is a weird thing though. Yeah. Uh, so, so then Aaron and I are like, well, well, let's do something different for Memorial Day. And she's she's driving this this bus because uh, I'm kind of like, well, I'm fine just to sit around the house and do nothing. But she's going to be mad if, you know, we start talking about 11. What do you want to do today? And then here we are at two o'clock in the afternoon and we haven't made any plan. And so she's like, hey, there's this World War One museum, this traveling World War One museum up in the colony. Um, you want to go see it? Take the kids. I was like, absolutely. So that's what we did. It wasn't a huge display, but uh, probably took like 20 minutes to go through the whole thing. But they had uniforms of of the, you know, that the U.S. soldiers wore in World War One, boots, helmets. Helmets have come a long way. This thing did not look like it was going to protect you from anything. Uh, checkers. So the YMCA was very involved back in the in World War One in uh, obviously the red cross as well, but in sending care packages to the troops and they had this checkerboard, they called it trench checkers checkers. And you, you know, it was just like a little cardboard thing, but, uh, 
apparently the troops played a lot of checkers in the trenches in World War One with uh, gift packages sent by the YMCA. Um, so the kids kind of got a little bit of history and, and I think um, understand that Memorial Day isn't about grilling hamburgers and going to the pool or Good. going to the river or whatever. You know, I mean, yes, that's a, it's great to have a three-day weekend, but, but at, at its core, why do we have that? Uh, so that was cool. Uh, and then we did cook hamburgers and, and go to the pool. So a nice Memorial Day. That's that's awesome. Um, we did not take the step of taking the kids to a museum, but um, we did say prayers where we made sure to mention uh, fallen heroes and make sure they knew what it was about. So, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing I think is impactful on a five and seven year old, even if it's not the uh, the big the big focus of the day. How many Americans do you think take away like? certainly most of them don't go to a museum that just happened to pop up on Aaron's Facebook. And so we were like, well, it's here, let's go. How many of them actually take the time to tell their kids what Memorial day is all about? I would say probably less than half. If I just had to guess, I think there's a huge, I don't know what the percentage would be, but a huge percentage of of adult Americans don't really even know what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I would venture to guess that a larger percentage of American parents don't bother to explain it. So like, so like, I think there's a, let, let, let's call it 40% of American ad- adults. And we have no idea, but just don't, don't know what Memorial day is. Then among parents, I bet it's like 50% that don't want to tell, talk to their kids about it. Depending on their age. I mean, maybe <clears throat> as they get older, but I'll be honest with you, dude, I didn't fully, I don't think I've fully grasped memorial day until i was an adult like i I know getting back to the point you made a minute ago that it wasn't just till the last few years that i started like stopping you know that that i stopped that i made a conscious conscious effort to not say happy memorial day right like I don't, I don't think it's because I didn't know Memorial Day was about fallen soldiers in my 20s. It just, just like you said, it was kind of just a, a, a Monday off. And then the rest of them are always a celebration, right? This is a weird one because it's like more of a somber remembrance, right? Anyway, yeah. it wasn't until the last probably two or three years, I feel like, where I was like, is Happy Memorial Day really the way to say that? I don't think so. Anyway. Yeah. Well, all that aside, I think... Uh, for anyone listening and i think probably our listeners do it anyway but uh i would encourage everyone to take that time to reflect on what what that it's a holiday it's weird to even call it a holiday but what 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 it really is at its core because i'll be honest uh the first time i ever went to arlington national cemetery i think that was one of the most moving experiences of my entire life and uh and really puts into perspective when you're just looking at tens of thousands of graves. And that's only a drop in the bucket of how many Americans have actually paid the ultimate price for, for freedom. And most of it's on, on foreign soil. Yeah. Uh, all of it has been since the civil war, basically. Yeah. All of it. Not basically all of the lives lost in combat, American lives lost in combat have been on foreign soil since the civil war. Mm-hmm. That's crazy thought. 
Uh, yeah, Arlington National Cemetery is something everybody should see. Yeah. The I only- laid the wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers when I was in like eighth grade. That's a cool experience. It was pretty cool. There was a little writing contest, and I wrote about my dad and my grandpa's, everybody that served, and yeah, got to lay the wreath. Hmm. Well, speaking of uh, those who've served, we have a, a guest today set to join us. This has been something that's uh, been a long time coming. One of my good friends, uh, my neighbor, you all have heard us talk about him on the show from time to time, Mickey Matusik joining us. Uh, Mickey, thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. It's our pleasure. Um, So Mickey and I have known each other for maybe like four or five years now. Our kids are all uh, relatively close in age and, and they live down the street from us. So we're always hanging out and uh, we've become quite good friends and speak for it's crazy to look back on, on COVID because it was like the Matusics were like the only family that we hung, hung out with like at the beginning. And, and, and by hanging out when, when everyone thought that, Oh, we're all going to die. Like by hanging out, we were going on walks around the block and social distancing. Like our families, like in this little pod and then there's theirs, we're still talking to each other. But it was like our only interaction with the outside world when I'd say for like the first month of COVID. And uh, it's crazy to look back on that now, knowing that this whole thing essentially was a farce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At the very beginning there, we were still, we were walking together, but we were staying separate. Yeah. Social distancing outside. Yeah. Outside. (laughs) Like idiots. We, I mean, I remember our wives were, Maybe you were too, but bringing home groceries and spraying them down before we brought them inside with oh, yeah. Lysol or whatever. I mean, looking yeah. back, I'm like, man, we were morons. Duped, <laughs> duped by the establishment for sure. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's all behind us. And for most of society, American society, I think it's in the rearview mirror. However, for you, Mickey, uh, not the case. You are in the reserves with the United States air force. That's right. How long have you been in the air force? So October will be 17 years total. I did 11 years active duty and I've been in the reserves for almost six now. So 17 total years in October. Wow. And you've lived in, you lived all over. You know, it's funny. I, I joined the military in part to travel the world and I was stationed in Panama city, Florida for, about five and a half years. And then I was stationed in Wichita Falls, Texas for about five and a half years. And now, you know, back home in the reserves, but so I never got to really go overseas or I, in fact, I've never been deployed even, uh, I've been on some temporary duty assignments, but you know, Vegas, that's, that was a hard one. Uh, new Orleans, those are hard, hard places to go, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So 17 total years. Yeah. Well, regardless, you know, a lot of guys don't ever deploy, but the reality is, is that you, when you joined, made the decision that you would if called upon. So, you know, we appreciate your service uh, just as much as anyone else's. And um, sadly, it seems like our military has the most draconian COVID. I guess it's a, yeah, it's a mandate still in existence. I don't know if companies and you're in the, you, you work in the, uh, private sector. I mean, you, you yep. work for a company. 
they didn't require you to get uh, a COVID vaccination. Well, they did. Uh, I, I submitted a religious accommodation request with them and they approved it. Um, they, they actually, they, they sent the uh, requirement out in, it was right around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And they said, you have until January to get it, get the vaccine or, or you're done. Um, I submitted a request. They approved it with the stipulation that I get tested every week. Uh, and it didn't take very long after that to where I said, I can't find it anywhere to, where insurance covers the test. I have to pay 130 bucks a week to do this. And as soon as I emailed that, they came back and emailed. Uh, I guess they had a distribution list of everybody that they had approved some type of accommodation request for and said, everything, everybody, and they, they were having me work from home too. Uh, and so for 100%. And so they just said, oh, no, everybody back to work. No masks. They, we had these contact tracer fobs that we were no no those those are gone no mass no vaccine requirement just, just overnight COVID Every, was everything gone. was gone yeah wow <laughs> but the, the month before that they were firing people I, I don't know if they actually did but according to their policy they were and chisholm you obviously work for a corporation too what i don't know we've ever really talked about whether your company tried to force vaccines on on its employees oh, i think i've mentioned it man we um our CEO stood firm from day one. We got an email in like August saying uh, he would never require us to be vaccinated and stood by that. He did. They did. The company had to begin collecting uh, information on your vaccine status because as the uh, OSHA mandate matriculated its way through the court system, it was, it was struck down then it was rejuvenated right on its way to the Supreme court. Um, you know, with that, like last week leading up to the Supreme court case, they were, uh, kind of repeatedly asking people to register their vaccine status. That way, if the rule was upheld, they could comply with the testing requirements for those of us who were unvaxxed. Um, and, but then as soon as the Supreme court ruling came down, it just went away. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one it. thing that people overlook. It's like, for a lot of these corporations to actually implement the testing right. that would be required. Very expensive. It, yeah. It financially, yeah. it would ruin a lot of companies um, at the rate that they wanted the testing to be done. Uh, so anyway, your both of your companies didn't require it. At the end of the day, you didn't have to get vaccinated. But Mickey, that's not what you're facing with the Air Force. Right. So they're still, uh, I mean, that that came out in August, the Secretary of Defense. Lloyd Austin, uh, he's the one that gave the order. Uh, and then obviously it goes down from there, just commanders being told what to do, right? Um, so the order came down, we had to get vaccinated. And that was, I think, I can't remember how far back it was or how, how far along the FDA approval was, but it was, I mean, it was pretty soon after that happened. Boom, you know, you, go to, you have to go get vaccinated. Um, so it's, it's been since August that we've been, dealing with this and obviously COVID's, you know, came about in 2019, early 2020, at least. Um, and just this past couple of weeks ago, um, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm not participating anymore, uh, because of, because I won't get vaccinated. What does your participation look like? So it's one week, the first weekend of every month, typically, um, that can change, but it's, it's one week in a month. And then, uh, 15 days a year where I have to do what's called an annual tour. Um, so it's, you know, three weeks of just going out there or sometimes it's going 
temporary duty for somewhere else. But uh, that's typically what it is, is one week in a month, three weeks out of the year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And so in order to continue to do that, you have to get vaccinated. You actually talk about the, the process by which you've been uh, trying to appeal this. So there's a handful of us, uh, my unit, and I, I do want to start before I, I get too far into this, that obviously nothing that I say uh, reflects what the Air Force thinks. Obviously, I'm <laughs> defying a lot of that. So that's uh, hopefully clear. But uh, And I'm not going to c- come in here and uh, bash my commanders or anything like that. Um, I'm just going to tell you what's going on. Uh-huh. Here, here, here's, here's what's happening. Uh, and I have no problem with that. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, you basically have two different routes, or th- you have three different routes, and this is what this is exactly what they explained to us. You have three different routes. You can apply for a medical exemption, you can apply for a religious accommodation request, or you can straight up deny the vaccination or get vaccinated. So those four options. Um, and the the medical exemption, we had a, we had one individual originally apply for that because he actually. He went into uh, he went into like a coma from getting the flu vaccine, uh, so he had he was like oh. allergic like like yeah he was out for a while so he was going to submit his medical exemption for that, and uh, he ended up getting the COVID vaccination anyway just because he was like ah screw it I'll just go get it, uh, but I wish he would have stuck out because then I would I would at least know somebody and that's going to be well I'll get to that later but when I appealed it I wanted to make that argument is. Well, if you're going to prove anybody for a medical exemption and then you're not going to prove me for a religious exemption, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. So anyway, uh, medical exemption, we had one guy do that. He ended up withdrawing that and just getting the vaccine anyway. So the the route I went was the religious accommodation request. Um, So that, that process has been in place for, for vaccinations, you know, for forever. Um, You could always submit a request for that. Um, So I submitted that. Uh, on the grounds of a, a couple of things, you know, I, I believe that uh, whatever, you know, if there's something on my conscience that I think is sin, then I think it is uh, putting, you know, I think that we should be wise with what we put into our bodies. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the sanctity of life and it's not just uh, abortion. That's an issue. It's me taking care of myself as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not, I shouldn't be just, doing whatever what I want with my body, not thinking about what the consequences are. Um, so I put that in there. And then of course, the, the fact that they use aborted fetal cells in the testing of the mRNA vaccines uh, and obviously in the development of the Johnson Johnson vaccine. Um, so that's another distinction that maybe some folks don't know is the, the mandate is you, that you must get the vaccine that is FDA approved, but you can comply with that mandate by getting any of the vaccines even the EUA vaccines. If you take one of those, you're in compliance. Um, but anyway, so I, I submitted that request and that was, they're supposed to have 60 days, I think for reserves uh, to come back with an answer to that. And that sat there from when I submitted it in October to until sometime, I think in April. Um, so it, it was sitting there for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately that came back denied and I, and I have the letter here. I mean, I can read to you what it says if you'd like. How long is it? Uh, uh, six sentences. Yeah. Give or take. Absolutely. Let's yeah. Hear what, yeah. 
Yeah, so that says, uh, I have reviewed your request for religious accommodation to be exempt from the following immunization requirements, COVID-19. I understand your concerns and do not question the sincerity of your beliefs. After carefully considering the facts and circumstances, I disapprove of your request. Um, hmm. So that I'll read the next paragraph too. Uh, when evaluating requests for religious accommodation, I consider your military duties as an F-16 crew chief, assistant first sergeant, and the impact on our mission if you are not vaccinated. Immunization requirements are an important element of mission accomplishment as they contribute to the health, safety, and readiness of the force. Given the importance of our mission, the Department of Defense and the Department of the Air Force have a compelling government interest in maintaining a healthy, safe, and ready military force through vaccination requirements. And then it says vaccination requirements are the least restrictive means, blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to is that the Air Force says they have a compelling government interest in maintaining the health, safety, and, and, and the readiness of the military force. Which obviously, and, and again, this is me talking, but I think that's a, just a blatant lie that COVID is, is in any way and has any adverse effect um, effect on health, safety, or military readiness. I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, it would have made more sense if they all put you guys in like a COVID camp and made sure everyone got COVID and then <laughs> let you out. Like, <laughs> cause then you actually are immune for a lot longer with your natural antibodies. And every one of us in this discussion has had COVID, um, yep. at least one time. So we are speaking from experience. Um, man, it's unbelievable. Like, that the, that the military still is holding on to this idea that these vaccines work when we were just talking about uh you've listened to the show and and so you were aware of that walgreens data that chisholm's brought to the table the last uh in the last couple of episodes and you actually have a family member that works for walgreens that's still trying to tell you you need to get vaccinated and you're like these yeah. are the stats from your company <laughs> yeah exactly right and i just again I, you know, as Christians, we are people of the truth and I refuse to just accept a lie and yeah. go along with it. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Amen to that, man. That's what it is. Uh, um, the, 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 in that letter, it stated that, you know, they, they have no doubt about your sincerely held beliefs, but it's still denied mm -hmm. how, I mean, I know that in the military, guys get all kinds of shots for all kinds of different stuff. How, what, what was the, what was the, how common were, were religious exemptions to all the other regular old non gene editing vaccines that you guys were, you know, required to take over the years? Cause I think some of them aren't super common. I, I don't know for sure, but I think you guys are asked to take stuff that, you know, our two-year-olds aren't necessarily asked to take based on wh where you're going and that sort of stuff. And I don't know if, I know that there are times where, you know, experiments are conducted. Usually I think these days guys are given at least uh, the opportunity to sign up for them. Like we had some Marines on a while back that told, were told there was a testing going on for some sort of super soldier shot, mm. literally like supposed to make them faster and stronger and smarter and, you know, you wouldn't know if you were in the placebo group or the control group, but you know, to this day, the guy's like, I don't know for sure if there was, if that was legitimate or at all, like, you know, but anyway, so but what, I felt stronger was, and then I realized that was just my testosterone shot that I take. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't cable. Anyway, what, what, what was the, 
granting process like, or how often are, are these types of variances granted prior to this thing? So I, um, I'll tell you, I don't know of anybody who's ever applied for it before. Uh, and that's the general consensus that I've heard is, uh, now this is almost a, this is a process that almost no one has done right. in the past. Cause in the uh, past, the vaccine was a little dead version of a microbe and right. actually did something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the last time that this, this happened was with the anthrax vaccine, um, which anthrax that was vaccine. Yeah. Anthrax. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that happened right. I, I joined the military in 2005. So that was a little bit before I joined. Um, and you know, when you go to basic training, I don't even know what I'm vaccinated with. They, they, they line you up. And yeah, that's right. Pull your pants down and boom, boom, boom. They, they give you the shots. peanut butter shot, right? That's right. The peanut butter yeah. shot. <laughs> um, so you get all those and, and, you know, obviously no one, and most people like me, I never even thought about vaccines or whether or not I need to get them or not. You know, I just, I got them because they were told me I need to get them. Uh, right. Obviously this vaccine is different. So I think that there was also a different level of trust with the government. It's ridiculous to say that 17 years ago, we trusted the government more than we do today, but I think that's true. Yeah. I'm not sure it was warranted, but it's probably true. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, right. You know, looking we back, have been trusting them, but learn some, yeah, learn a little history and you realize eh, there's been some, well, anyway. Yeah. Well, so Mickey and I have talked about this just in casual conversations uh, a lot as I'm, you know, so, certainly been interested in, in the decision that ultimately he was going to make. And I think there were times even where you just consider just saying, screw it, I'll just take the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, I, I can convenient. still, I can still do it. Yeah. Um, technically, I'm just on, uh, no pay, no points status. So I'm not participating, but I'm not kicked out of the military yet. Okay. Um, if I don't participate for a certain amount of time, I won't get a good year. Um, and you need, you know, good years is just basically saying you got enough points this year to add to uh, your years of service. So you need 20 total years to be able to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You know, and since I'm at seven, I'll be at, well, I'm not gonna make 17 if I don't, don't go back this year, but. Um, and the reserves is a year, a year. Or yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. You just have to get, so each weekend that I participate, there are technically four periods. So I get, uh, two points per period. So it's, I think it's, I think that's right. Eight points per, per weekend. And then a point for every day that I work for annual tour as well. So you have to get, I think it's 50 points per year to have a good year. Um, gotcha. So even, so if I miss a weekend, I still make a good year. Uh, but if you miss a two, uh, you're getting pretty close three. You're definitely not going to have a good year. No. Mm-hmm. So in your unit, what is the, the people that all that have held out on this thing and refuse to get vaccinated? Have some of them quit the military? Have they taken early retirement? And what, what percentage of the, the, the guys that you run with just are still in your camp as far as, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So I know of one guy that um, he retired. He he had over 20 years. He elected to retire instead of getting mm-hmm. vaccinated, um, which is, it's kind of funny with him. He was standing in line to get the shot, and he was sitting there because I'd been talking to him about him and why I wasn't getting vaccinated, and he was standing there in line to get the shot, and he said he, he was thinking about it. And he just was thinking about what I said, and uh, he was like, you know what? I'm just not going to get it, and he ended up calling me like later that weekend and telling me, Hey man, I just want you to know that what you, you told me and, you know, 
how you were with your faith and all that. You just really convinced me not to get the shot. And I just wanted to call you and say, thank you. And, you know, my wife is crying over here because she's really didn't want me to get the shot. And she's really glad that I didn't get it. So that was really honoring her to me. Yeah. That, yeah. They did that. But anyway, that's the only one I know that, that retired. Um, the rest of everybody else, I, I want to say, so it, from what I remember, there, there was about 10% of my unit that applied for religious accommodations. I don't know how many of those actually held out. Um, every, every weekend I'd go up there, there'd be a, a couple of more folks missing um, just because they aren't participating. Uh, we had, a, we had um, probably about mm, six or seven folks that just straight up denied the vaccine, didn't apply for accommodation at all. And they're, they're gone um, hmm. as far as I know. But every single uh, religious accommodation request was denied. Yep. Not just yep. in your, in, in your unit. I mean, across, I think all branches of the military. Um, there are there from what I hear, and I, I don't have any definitive proof of this, but from what I hear, there have been some that were approved, huh. um, but they were guys that were, like within a year of retirement or something. Um, so that's what I've heard, but I, I haven't seen any approved, not in my unit, not in the reserves. So, the, so the, the person that's in charge of approving and denying these requests are the major command commanders. So three-star generals, you know, guys that are way up there. Wow. Um, and, and I had some, I, I, debate on whether or not I wanted to say this, but I, I had some, um, I had heard from somebody and it, and it could have just been hearsay, but I had heard from somebody that the reserve commander, uh, you know, he, he's, like I said, he's the one that, that approves or denies. Uh -huh. And I, I thought that he would approve just because, you know, the way I thought about it, your religious accommodation, if they say, you know, you meet all the requirements, yes, you are, you are actually faithful to your religion. You aren't just blowing smoke, you know, because you have to interview with a chaplain, things like that. If, if that all gets approved and they say yes, and it gets up to, to that three-star general, surely, I mean, right. you meet, you meet these five out of five requirements, he's going to, he's going to approve it. And then all of a sudden, just nobody is getting approved. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Even even with saying that, you know, I have I have no doubt of your the sincerity of your beliefs. Mm. So, do you I mean, feel at just, all like betrayed or angry? Well, like what? Like I said, I believe that that I believe that it's just everybody who's involved in this process that's just going along. Some folks are just going along to get along. Uh, they don't want to cause a mess, but. Mm even those folks, they are, they are either uh, perpetuating the lie or just, like I said, going along with it, but it's a lie. And everybody knows it's a lie. Everybody knows that we, have, I have been, every, most of the guys have been participating for the past two and a half years and the mission hasn't been affected. Right. Far, There's the proof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, they should be able to, they should be, have, have to come back to me and say, where, uh, where you know this is an adverse effect how, how is this affecting our mission i mean just saying yeah. that it does what does that do <laughs> right i mean that brings 
up to me like the kind of deepest question here, which is why do you think, Mickey, like why is this something that the military in particular is so still so adamant about, uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of most of society was pretty adamant about, adamant about it, say six months ago. And then the OSHA strike down, I think took a big chunk out of that. And then for the next five months, it's been abundantly clear that it doesn't matter how many of these shots you get, you're still going to catch COVID. You're still going to get sick from COVID. I think it's hilarious to listen to people. Cable made this point with some buddies of his the other day, try to claim that, oh, well, my case of Omicron was super mild because I got the shots. And it's like everybody's case of Omicron was super mild regardless of the shots. So don't give us that crap. But like, you know, you've referred to it as a lie a few times. And I know how devout and biblical you are I think of it as just satanic. This is a demonic possession. And I don't mean that like figuratively. Like there's something evil at the core of this, in my opinion, because it doesn't make any sense. And they're so adamant and hostile and willing to, I mean, <clears throat> right. It was interesting that today I get a pop-up on my phone from the site that I follow, the Gateway Pundit, about this exact issue. And this is a Marine Corps pilot who's been, you know, after a 13 year career flying missions all over the globe, they've got him cleaning latrines and won't let him get behind the, you know, the helm of his aircraft. Uh, I guess the first, uh, first female F 35 pilot is about to be, uh, I guess court martialed over refusal to get the vaccine and to comply. Like what, is it just compliance? Is it particularly important within the military to force to show forcibly? You, I mean, I guess that it, on some level it kind of is, right? You guys have to take orders, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on what's yeah. driving it at the military perspective slash, I guess, more national global perspective? This thing also says it lists off a whole bunch of countries that aren't requiring this. Russia, the United, the UK, China, and wait, many, wait, wait. Many I'm sorry. Nations. Russia's launched a full scale invasion of another country where all their troops are together in camps, and they're not they're not required how, to get how, vaccinated. How about the UK, man? <laughs> the data that we've reviewed coming out of the UK for a long time now, a long time now, they were showing like last summer that the rates of COVID were higher among the vaccinated that the vaccine injuries were outpacing the, the alleged benefits of the vaccine. And that's why months before they, you know, most of America laid down the sword, the UK stopped requiring it. Yeah. Stopped like they just dropped it. This is a non-issue there anymore. So yeah, I mean, the UK is not requiring their military to get vaccinated. Why in the hell is ours? Yeah. Um, so he, there's a couple of, man, there's so much I can say about that, but starting out with, um, you know, we, I, I think that we are living right now in a, in a Romans one world where it is evident how evil humanity is naturally you know, because of the fall, obviously, but man's heart is, is, is wickedly evil. And we're, we are seeing that. So I, I'm not surprised by it as a Christian. Um, it's just, it's what I would expect. But yeah, the the compliance thing. I think I think they want 
to have a compliant force. And, and, and like you said, you know, I'm in the military. If somebody tells me what to do, I don't, I don't care if I don't like it or not. It's my job to do it. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to the lie thing, I, I don't think that this is a lawful order. Um, and there's actually more I can say about that too. But I, I do think that it's, it's a compliance thing. And on top of that, it is our, our military is being wussified. I, I don't know if you know that, but it, oh, yeah. it really is. Um, and, and some of that is, you know, there's a difference between active duty and reserves. There's a difference between Air Force and Army and Marines. You know, different bases have differences between them. Um, but the, the change that I've seen from when I first enlisted to now, it's unrecognizable. The military is unrecognizable. They are being more lenient on uh, dress and appearance standards. You know, because if you're going to repeal, don't ask, don't tell, and accept that culture, <laughs> you know, you need to be able to accommodate them. Um, so, you know, you, it, it seems like a little thing, but for instance, female uh, Air Force members can now wear their hair in a ponytail down to their shoulder blades. It used to be your hair can't go below your collar. You have to, you know, put it up in a bun or whatever it is. Um, so now we have, you know, these female military members walk around with their hair down and it just doesn't prove to me, doesn't present a professional military image, which is the whole point of that and discipline. Um, I think pretty soon they're going to get rid of the, the facial hair standards for men. Uh, and, and again, it, it, it seems like little things, but well, those- and there's, there's like, there, there's weight, right? There, there was the, the measurables of, uh, you know, you're, you're, belly size and all that sort of all mm-hmm. that stuff's being dismissed entirely if not loosened to the point oh, where well, because it, being fat is healthy and probably will help you in combat yeah well and <laughs> you know every with every passing generation there's fewer and fewer people who could meet those requirements anyway yep huh. I, I actually agree with that I, I don't think that they should be measuring uh, doing the waist measurement and giving you a score on that i mean if you can if you can run and do the push-ups yeah. and do the sit-ups, I don't care what your weight measurement is. Sure. I agree. If you can do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's a, uh, it mirrors society perfectly. You know, the military is not exempt from the wussification of America. Oh yeah. American society. One, one other thing. So we are, um, my last commander's call wing commander's call they introduced our wing therapy support dog and <laughs> they introduced us to the what? fact that we are going to spend the rest of this year in diversity training those are the i mean those are the big things that we talked about we talked about how covid you know is mostly behind us and you know he meant he made some mention of you know how some people had to make their choice and they're no longer with us but we got to move on from that and then that's when he introduced the support dog and talked about diversity for 20 minutes. So that's, I mean, those are the, those are the important things that our military really is focusing on. I know you hear those things in the military, in the media or whatever, but that it's really happening. Huh. And, and, and don't get me wrong. So people talk about uh, racism and things like that. Um, when I got out of active duty, I heard that, in, you know, my first civilian job and I'm, I'm like, man, I didn't even think about the racist or the, the race issue in that scenario. I didn't even think about it because the military is literally the most diverse place in America. It, it is, it is everybody there and nobody, 
you know, I was talking to a cousin of mine who's in the army this weekend, you know, in the military, you hear, at least you used to hear a lot of what people probably would consider racist jokes, you know, jokes that have to do with somebody's ethnicity or where they're from or whatever. But we would do that and nobody would care because that's the military. You're next to me and you're doing the same job I'm doing and you're getting paid the same as me because we're all on the same pay scale. Nobody cares. Racism doesn't even cross my mind until recently when it's everything is about race. But yet our military wants to focus on diversity and inclusion, which is fine. Uh, I have no problem with diversity and inclusion, but most diversity and inclusion uh, initiatives are the exact opposite of, of what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, well, they're teaching it from the Eber Mexican anti-racist perspective, right? I mean, exactly. uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Austin and um, Millie, Mark Millie, both talked mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, about that book in particular, right? And that's the book that says that the only cure for racism is more and more reverse racism, right? Exactly like, right. We've covered that extensively. Yeah, you're right. I mean, diversity, equity, and inclusion sounds great. And I think there's a way that it can be taught that's useful, but the people who are really running that show across the country from higher academia through the military, through major corporate HR departments, you know, the, the, the ones that are un- <sighs> one thing I've been really focused a lot on lately, certainly it's come up during our show, but is to try to help people understand that there are philosophies, philosophers behind all this stuff, right? Teachers of this gobbledygook, that laid these foundations, man. And it, you can go all the way back to the 1850s to, to Marx, but it's all of the, all of his, all of his philosophical lineage since then, the ancestors of that way of thinking, right? Like I've been bringing up this guy, Paolo Freire, who is this South American philosopher that was born in the twenties that all of the crap they're teaching elementary school kids right now about LGBTQRS and all that other stuff is all based in his philosophy of like perpetual, never ending revolution. Right. Mm. Like that's. And so the, this diversity, equity and inclusion thing, when you hear it, it's a mantra, right? It is. It's like it's like magic words. It's almost like a spell. Right. So there's a common philosophical underpinning no matter who's using those words right some of them again may be wholly bought into it thinking it's a good thing and aren't aware of that philosophical lineage or the most extreme versions of it in the ibram x kendi form but all roads lead that direction right the center of gravity and diversity equity and inclusion is communist marxism so even those who are not communist marxists and who don't realize that that's the direction they're being pulled buy this stuff again military or otherwise yeah and it's not uh it may not be the reason they're doing this but the effect of the some of these folks are getting out because a lot of the guys that are resisting the vaccines are the guys experienced guys been around a while um and they're losing them um so they're going to have a more compliant force who's who's okay with all that yeah but it's wussified i mean there's no way around that yeah, hundred uh, percent. Well, it, I, I'm sorry that you know that you're having to go through this. I I hope, unlike my friend uh, Mark, who 
worked for Southwest Airlines, was going to lose his job, who had to get vaccinated against his will. Um, there wasn't time for him to to stick it out and just kind of see what happened. Like he had to do it. Now, of course, Southwest walked back from that, and here he is stuck with his vaccine. I wonder what kind of lawsuits will stem from that. Um, I don't know. I imagine there will be some serious class action lawsuits, especially if side effects come out and people start getting sick. Or if side or, effects, effects come out, I, like I, okay. dude, I'm, I'm sitting looking right now, 39 year old British soccer player Craig Farrell dies mysteriously. 28 year old graduate student dies within two weeks of of vaccination due to a stroke. Like, okay, <laughs> retract the way that I side phrase effects that. are out, bro. <laughs> well, and we've known that for a long time. Hell. I mean, I'm living with a woman. You have who has a higher likelihood pain of pain that she never had until she got vaccinated. So you have a higher likelihood of catching it if you've had shots, and the more shots you get, the higher your likelihood of catching it. So anyway, and, my point was, I feel bad for the people that were forced into it because you know they have to make a living. Uh, luckily, uh, Mickey has a has a a day job and can support his family that way. But 17 years of service now, yeah, man. at risk. I hope that you can just continue to stick it out until finally the military gets its collective head out of its ass. And well, there's been some movement. Yeah, I mean, you, you've seen the Navy SEALs. They, uh, you know, each branch is different. So, and there hasn't been a class action suit yet. Um, so, I'm hoping um, that I can just kind of hang around, uh, mm -hmm. being in status but not being completely kicked out yet, and hopefully things change between now and then. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Have you guys heard? Uh, because one of the, one of the things is the only vaccine they can mandate us to take are the FDA approved ones, but those vaccines are not available anywhere. Yeah. So the the Comirnaty. Yeah, Comirnaty and Spikevax are the only ones. Right. They're still not available in the U.S. At least they weren't like a month ago. <laughs> so our military says this is the vaccine you need, but you can't get Dude, it here. Dude, that is a whole separate rabbit hole. Wow. It really is. Because they really put out a memo. Is strange, man. So the original. They're claiming that Comirnaty is the exact same jab as the original Pfizer jabs. Yet, when Pfizer got its full FDA approval, and I'm using air quotes since we don't actually put these videos up, they changed. They didn't. They, it wasn't branded as Pfizer. In fact, it's not even. I don't even think it's. It's not Pfizer's patent. It's uh, BioNTech, the company that actually developed the mRNA technology, it's their patent for a drug called Comirnaty, and yeah, it's fully FDA approved, and yet never want, not a single one of those shots has ever been administered in the U.S., because they're still sitting on a stockpile of tens or hundreds of millions of the EUA-approved ones, so. Yep. Yeah, and, and they can't, so they can't Is that the legal, right, is that the legal sort of loophole you were talking about a minute ago right exactly so so that's yeah. what i'm hoping is is i can ha make some headway there because they can only make us take that one unless and, and there is a way that they can make us take the eua one but the president has to sign a waiver and he hasn't done that hmm. so so because those aren't available but so the air force put out a memo that says that the the biontech vaccine the eua one and community are the exact same formulation and they can right. be used interchangeably to to comply with this order, but they're legal. Even if they are the exact same formulation, they are legally different. Well, clearly, and the military is acknowledging that. Otherwise, they wouldn't put the memo out. Right. They're saying, "Hey, look, we know you all caught us on a technicality, but hey, you just shouldn't worry about it because you should just take this other shot and shut up." Yeah. So I may need a lawyer. Yeah. 
Well, hey, man, we appreciate your service and we appreciate you taking the time yeah, to come absolutely. on here and, and educate us on what's going on uh, within the Air Force. Uh, it's criminal and it doesn't seem to me like someone who's put in so much time to serve their country should be subjected to BS, essentially. Um, I just hope that cooler heads prevail and that you can bide your time and, and avoid avoid this. And um, that's my hope anyway. Yep. Yeah. I hope, I hope that uh, at the very least we get a new uh, administration in there and they let us folks who get kicked out back in somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay strong, man. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate you guys guys working on the the language. Yeah. (laughs) Trying every day, but Hey, don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me when we're playing golf. Cause that was, yeah, I wouldn't do a lot of bad words there. Uh, Henry's knocking on the door right now, asking if he can come down to your house and play with Mickey. So bring him down. All right. Well, thanks again, man. All righty. All right. Good to meet you, bud. Well, Chisholm, it seems mind-blowing. It, the thing that, stu- that stuck out, I think the, the best point that he made was when he read that letter about talking about the mission. Well, like, And then he said, but how, is, how have we negatively affected the mission because we've been unvaccinated for two and a half years and what's, what's really changed? <sighs> yeah, I, dude, it just doesn't. There's no making sense of it. None. There's just, there's, there's no way, there's no way to make sense of this anymore with what we know now. I would also, I wish I would have thought to ask him this, but like (laughs) somebody tell me what the hell the United States military's mission is now. I bet, I bet Mickey would have a hard time. And I think he would agree. That's not a good thing. (laughs) Like, Mm. you know, like the, their mission and he kind of did touch on it seems to be way more about, about, you know, Ibram X. Kendi anti-racist style diversity, equity, and inclusion than it does about, you know, our country's prosperity and status in the world and safety and, you know, fighting for freedom. Like, that doesn't... Yeah. Anyway, man. <sighs> well, you, you mentioned in the opening that uh, the post-Memorial Day week is off to a crappy start. Why is that? Oh, as we've been sitting here talking, my phone's been lighting up with news stories. And the most saddening one for today is that uh, Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman has been acquitted of his charge of lying to the FBI. I told you. Yeah. Um, I knew it. Yeah. There's just no way they were going to. I mean, because look at uh, Epstein. Look at. Well, you have to understand. You have to understand why. You have to understand why it was acquitted, and it. And I'm sure you're going to educate us on that. Yeah. So over, so on like Friday night, uh, one of my one of my daughters had a dance recital, and my parents were in town. We got back, and I hadn't seen this yet, but I guess during the course of the week last week, the defense team for Sussman began to bring to light the fact that the FBI knew all along that Sussman worked for Clinton, which I had thought about a thousand times. So he lied to this guy named, um, I guess it doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, doesn't Mike, matter. Mike Baker is the guy's name. Jim, Jim Baker, Jim Baker, Mike Baker, something Baker. And he was the attorney. Uh, the, I think attorney general is the position or, you know, Sort of highest highest attorney within the FBI's legal department. 
and he and Sussman had been friends for year, many, many, many years. So I had thought many times, how in the hell is it possible that he wouldn't have known that he, that, you know, that, that this guy Baker would not have known that Sussman was lying. His firm, Perkins Coy, has represented the Democratic National Convention for uh, over a decade, maybe a couple of decades. And my thought all along was like, well, because the FBI is, was in on it all along, right? Michael or Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, there's text messages proving that they were hell-bent on stopping Donald Trump's presidency, right? And, and you know, the record shows that they knew that the PP tape hoax doc, you know, dossier from this guy Christopher Steele was BS, and yet they used it to spy on Trump campaign officials. So... I guess what I hadn't realized yet when it came to this question of, so to, to be guilty of lying to the FBI, it's a two-part test. You have to make a, knowingly make a false statement, and that false statement has to be material in an investigation or material to an investigation. So by the end of the week, they were charging the jury and that means that the judge, you know, the parties make their closing arguments. The parties uh, negotiate the jury charge, which the judge delivers to the jury before dismissing them to deliberate to make a decision, right? And the jury charge is basically a, a set of, it's an explanation. It's a narrative on what they're supposed to consider. So it would lay out that two-pronged prong test, right? In law, that's what it's called. It's a two-pronged mm -hmm. test. It has to be a knowingly made false statement that's material to an FBI investigation. So they get some, they get some guidance on how to determine those two, right? One thing was they were told that they could not consider the text message in which he lied as default proof of a lie because for some reason, John Durham didn't submit that evidence. Well, I know why. It's because Jim Baker didn't provide him that email until way late in the game. But the original indictment that he received from the grand jury, that wasn't in the evidence. So they were allowed to consider it extraneous evidence proving that he lied, but they couldn't use it solely and alone as step one that he lied, which is convoluted to say the very least, right? Uh -huh. But then way more importantly, if the FBI knew that he was lying and yet went forward with their investigation into the underlying. Uh, so keeping in mind, right, what he lied about was re whether or not he represented Hillary Clinton or anybody, I guess. Right. He's also he and the folks that he worked with were lying about the content of what they provided to the FBI. Right. And in theory, you might think, all right, if they had found out that he was lying, that he was actually Hillary's attorney, and this was all oppo research, then maybe they would have dismissed the whole thing, right? Had they done that, he would still get acquitted because they would not have relied on his lie as context for an investigation. As it turns out, they did take up to a certain extent a further investigation into this allegation of this backroom pipe backroom channel between Trump tower and Russia. 
up to a certain point, leaked information about it to the media. But because they knew he was lying about working for Clinton, that lie is not material to their investigation because they did the investigation even knowing he was lying. And that this is got where him I'm off. Getting tired head. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you're, you knew he was lying, but now on a technicality, we're throwing out the whole case. So I told you from the beginning, there's no way they're going to ever do anything to Hillary or anyone associated with her. I mean, she's got a, a, a skeleton in every closet, multiple. And this is, this is hardly surprising. Well, and, and, and here's the thing that's maddening about it, dude. That is, that is um, gaslighting style crazy making. Is that the underlying reality hasn't changed one bit. Right. What I just explained, think about it for a second. In other words, this guy got off for lying to the FBI because of the FBI's own corruption. Right. And no one's going to do truth anything about the FBI like, being corrupt. Andy McCarthy, former 20-year federal prosecutor who put the blind sheik in prison for life, pointed out that because the FBI was so crooked and inappropriate in their dealings with this matter, their corruption outweighs Sussman's, which means Sussman gets off. So it's still true that Sussman lied about it. It's still true that a team of people fabricated this information out of whole cloth, provided those lies to the FBI, leaks to the media. The FBI knew that it was all politically motivated, yet still continued with an investigation, still made an announcement that they were doing so, still got warrants to surveil American citizens based on fallacies. But because this guy is not going to go to jail even for a night over it, the media spin today will be Sussman cleared. They won't touch any of the nuanced oh, crap no. that I just outlined. And the average American sleepers, citizen is going to hear this is what they're going right. to hear. Sussman innocent. Right. Trump, Trump tied attorney fails to convict Clinton, Clinton attorney. Right. 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 And therefore it was all lies and did, nobody will ever Donald Trump. And we've <sighs> talked about this before. Like, why was the guy so. Uh, what is the word? So ain't so ready to just go into knockdown drag outs with people all the time because this kind of crap was happening to him for the entirety of his presidency. And this even even when he was running for the president, I mean, they were trying to illegitimize him from day one. And he knows that. And you have the FBI working with Clinton to undermine you. It's the FBI. Like, I have been the angriest man on the planet, too, if I was Donald Trump. Yeah, I've had that thought many, many times, man. How can you blame him for being basically on a hair trigger to fight every single fight. It's also his nature. Yeah. Like I've read his book. His nature is combativeness. Like it, it always sure. has been. Right. So he, you know, it's just pouring like gasoline on his personality. Like the fire. I mean, he was just... bringing up a 20 year old beef with Ricky with not Ricky Lake. Uh, it's other broad. Um, 
Mm-hmm. The other, no, no, no. the oh, Rosie. Oh. Rosie O'Donnell. She's just terrible. Yeah. Anyway. So this whole thing's dead in the water now. The Amer- So you had talked about this being the biggest political scandal of our lifetime. And now it's just swept under the rug. Is this the end of it? No, it's not the end of it. Um, I do start at some point to feel like, uh, like Lucy with the football, or I guess like Charlie and, and, you know, (laughs) I feel like Charlie and the, uh, the, 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 the beltway, the beltway swamp creatures are, are Lucy with the football. Meaning I feel like every time I come up with another, you know, avenue by which the world can become aware of what happened here. Uh, they're just going to pull it out from in front of me again, and I'm going to f- do a backflip and land on my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the interesting things early on was that it seemed like Durham was trying to cover for the FBI, right? As a member of the Department of Justice, right? There seemed to be a little bit it, like a conflict. As I already as I already laid out, the FBI is the one with the biggest s pile of corruption here. Right. And yet, you know, he had made his mark, this guy Sussman. Um, that what, what came out in the course of this trial proved even further how corrupt the FBI was in their dealings on this. So there's that sort of loose end still outstanding that somebody could pick up and run with. There's a problem here because like one of the reasons, like the reason that the text message I meant mentioned couldn't get into evidence is because Sussman or Durham had taken, there was a two, uh, two year, probably a four year, I guess there was a four year statute of limitations. Statute of limitations is basically the legal timeline in which you have to bring a case like this, right? The statute of limitations was running out on this lie that Sussman made. He got the indictment from the grand jury. He being Durham like three or four days before the end of the four year period, for the statute of limitations and then subsequently entered this text message that proved unequivocally the guy lied into the record after that, which was this, why this technicality meant that the jury instructions, what I described earlier, right? So I don't know what other potential legal actions, criminal actions could be taken among um, against say like the, the tech executives that are named and all these other people, um, cause I don't know what all the statute, what all crimes could be implicated and what the statute of limitations is on all them. Um, so, you know, from a, a legal department of justice standpoint, I don't know what more could potentially be done, but this, as well as a giant Santa Claus toy bag full of other crap should absolutely be at the top of the docket. If, and when the red wave comes this fall, because Congress can, spend the next two years investigating, you know, the anal cavities of every single one of these jerks. Uh, Just like, okay, the FBI (laughs) on the flip side of the ledger declared in like April of last year that January, that there was no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump instigated the January 6th Capitol debacle. Yet Donald Trump is under investigation by Congress currently by a house committee for just that, right? Oh, well, all they're doing is just trying to make sure that he can't ever run again. I mean, that's their goal is like, let's get rid of this guy. The problem is you convict Sussman 
I don't like to do what the left does, which is under, assume that Americans don't have the attention span or the wherewithal to understand the complexities here. Mm-hmm. They have that. Podcasting proves that America's Americans have the attention span to listen to long, complex conversations. The problem is, where do they hear them? Right? The... That if, they, if he was able to get a conviction of Sussman, the media would not really be able to spin that, right? And it would have forced m- more folks than are already aware of it to actually see it and maybe then actually dig into it and then actually learn it. Oh, crap, right? But on the flip side of that, you have probably half of Americans are fully aware of what happened here. Right. And the fact that he doesn't get convicted is just going to nobody's going to nobody's going to jump off of the. I think way less than half, by the way. Oh, I think you're I think you're way wrong on that, dude. I don't. I I think half of Americans, number one, don't care. And the other half might. I think it's probably closer to 25 or 30 percent. No, dude, I think it splits right down the line. Maybe it's 42 percent. I'm losing all hope in in society. So maybe it's 42 percent. Right. Both Trump and Biden have maintained had maintained somewhere between 40 and 40 percent, 44 percent, 45 percent approval ratings. Right. So that means it's like a 45 to 45 to 10 country. Right. There are 45 percent of Americans who would back Trump no matter what he said. There's 45 percent of Americans who will back Biden no matter what he says. And then there's 10 percent among the undecided. Everybody who would back Trump no matter what is aware of this. They are. I mean, Sean Hannity's been talking about it for five years now. Mm. Right? This is not a secret. My dad knows who Andy McCarthy is because he sees him on Hannity. I know who Andy McCarthy is because I've listened to 100, 200, 300 hours of him breaking this down from a legal perspective on a podcast. Right? But the main point is... I've only listened to about four hours of him and enjoyed it, by the way. Cool. Good. Um, for your recommendation on this yeah. topic, <laughs> <laughs> right? Anyway, I, my my point is like Americans are savvy enough to understand this if they're being, if it's being presented to them in a fair and unbiased light. And if he had been convicted, it'd be nearly impossible to do that. Now that he's going to get off, they can spin the hell out of it. And that ten percent, the forty five percent that we're never going to believe it, probably weren't going to believe it anyway, or care, like your brother who just doesn't care. That she made it all up. This 10% that determines elections, you know, it remains to be seen how many of them will be deceived by the way this gets spun. Um, and then the big problem though, so so I still think that some justice, some justice will be done here. Um, but not the you know, cataclysmic earth shattering type justice that all of us really hope for it'll be more like there will be a bit of a house cleaning in the department of justice once the republicans take control of congress assuming that they will there'll be a bit of a house cleaning there'll be a decade or so of slightly less corruption in the i mean keeping in mind the fbi is implicated in this uh michigan this uh wolverine watchman thing right they're implicated in january 6th they're implicated in this Trump stuff. That's the 
top three off the top of my head, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have to face some serious questioning in a Republican-controlled Congress. So you, you might see some people lose their jobs. It won't, but the, the biggest problem is nobody will hear about it, right? Unless you watch Fox or listen to the podcast that we listen to, it just won't be covered. Right. It, it won't right. be like CNN won't talk about this. MSNBC, ABC News, CBS News, none of the local news, sure as hell won't talk about it. So, you know, a lot of people will be able to just avoid the conversation. To me, I don't think, I think your way, you know, as I'm continuing to lose faith in society, like, I think the fact that you think that 50% of Americans know about it is a stretch. I don't think that's true. I, I, I revised that back to call it 42, but I, okay. I do think, I think the, I think the vast majority, like most, most well over 90% of diehard informed conservatives are absolutely aware that Hillary Clinton's campaign created the Russia hoax. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, I mean, because yeah, it's been, it, dude, I'm telling you, I first started learning in f- great detail about how they pulled it off in like May, March of 2016, just two months after the inauguration of Donald Trump. This has been, this has been out there. You know, mm. so I, I think a lot of people are aware of it, but but <clears throat> it's not. I hope the, you're right. It's not committed conservatives that'll make the difference in elections, and it's not committed leftists that'll make the difference in the elections. It's the big middle. The ones maybe, who and, on and maybe it's in the last election, right? Maybe it's thirty-five, thirty-five, thirty, whatever it would be, mm-hmm. right? The people in the big middle that don't pay much attention to this crap because they have real lives to live. Um, they're the ones that are, in my opinion, more susceptible. And this is not a this is not like this isn't calling them dumb or anything like that. It's like if you don't put the work in to understand what's really going on, you can't help but be swayed by the media narrative, even if you're not consuming it. You know what I mean? So like, so like 90% of the media marches in lockstep to a defined narrative, right? Mm. One of the things with this particular case for the last several months that you would see would be, you know, when CNN or MSNBC or ABC or CBS or any of those, you know, longstanding news networks touched it, it would be like, like I mentioned a minute ago, Trump, uh, Trump era prosecutor, going after Clinton attorney, right? So the headline would already be spinning it towards like, well, this is a Trump thing. So it'd be, you know, it's a big lie, right? Yeah. Didn't matter what the article said about it. From the, from the headline, they had you thinking, oh, so this is political, right? When in fact, it, it certainly was, but it was political from the opposite direction. But my point is, like, if you're not the kind of person who consumes any media to speak of, that seeks out the truth, the ecosystem that you live in, some information still comes to you, right? Maybe Facebook, like I've talked about with my sister, she doesn't watch any of this crap. Her husband doesn't watch any of this crap. Yet they're slightly aware of what's going on just because of the ecosystem of information that they do live in, right? The people they follow on Facebook, the people they talk to at work, et cetera, et cetera, right? So their perception of reality is clouded by the dominant narrative 
even if they're not going to CBS News to watch it or read it. And I, I would say that they are in the majority of American society. No, you're they're not the, the majority. No, no, <laughs> that's not the are. majority. No, the no. left or right. It doesn't matter to me. I believe most Americans are. It's not that simple, dude. It's not a it's not a red and blue, black and white split down the middle society. That's what I'm, saying. I'm saying that most of Americans are just apathetic to it completely or so like Mm-mm. I don't I disagree. Man. I, I hope that you're right. But. I think most Americans are. I think the majority of Americans are over consuming media. Right. But but no, half I'm, of but half of those hold on is they're getting their narrative from social media and not news outlets like that's where and then that's where their thought process is. Um, what is the a news outlet? What is a news outlet anyway? Exactly a- anymore, right? So where are you getting? Well, where are so, you getting your? Are most American because we can see the ratings. Most well, people because I don't Fox News and MSNBC and they're not getting their news there. So where are they getting it? They're getting it from social media. They're getting it from conversations with friends. Like they're not. They're not tuning into major news outlets to to get their news so social media is i think obviously certainly more influential in that thought process of what do i believe to be true than fox news or msnbc yeah i do you think i think you're so dug in like you don't really understand like what the average american citizen is doing they're not researching this stuff dude they don't know and I don't think half of them care. You're giving them way too much credit. You're in the one percentile of people that listen to as much podcast and as much research as you do. And I'm probably like in the 10%. You know, and if I wasn't doing this show, I'd still be doing it because I want to know the truth. But I, I mean, I, I guess literally everybody that I talk to knows about the stuff I'm talking about. Um, because again, they either watch Fox at night or they watch or they listen to podcasts. Or but both. look at the, how many people yeah. watch Fox News. It's, what is it? Ten million? That's a drop in the bucket. There's 330 million people in this country. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, <laughs> whatever. I think. I mean, it's entirely I, possible to inculcate yourself into a social media space where you only, dude, jump on my Instagram feed. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's very possible to curate a alternative news source media profile too. You know, I think the people that listen to this show are hundred percent invested in finding out what the truth is. I don't think the majority of Americans are taking the time to do that. That's all I'm trying to say. It justified uh, pursuit in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you have a stop here. You gotta go. Yeah, man, I gotta get, I got four minutes left. Bro. Okay. Um, well, I got a lot of stuff on, Canada and the Second Amendment. So I don't know what your schedule is. We can catch back like. up later in the week for sure. Yeah, let's do that. Back another one. Okay. Well, for Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. We certainly appreciate you tuning in to episode 79 of Justified Pursuit. And we will see you guys again very soon. Thanks for coming on, Mickey. Time to take-